This is the Unity Community of Central Oregon podcast. So that was important for me to do because I want to start my talk off sharing a little bit of behind the scenes of this week leading up to this moment. So has anyone ever heard of imposter syndrome? Yes. (laughs) So as the days passed, getting closer and closer to Sunday and closer and closer to this moment of stepping into these shoes on this stage to share a talk about love, I caught a severe case of imposter syndrome. Now, thankfully, it didn't include a fever or a cold or cough or sneeze, thank goodness, but it did cause this tremendous pit in my stomach. And it wasn't the expanding butterfly effervescent nervous excitement pit, it was dense, heavy, contracted energy. So I sat with that. What was that all about? And if I'm gonna put the truth bomb card on the table, I would say the last couple of months, it has been hard for me to find firm footing standing in love. Now, I see a few of you shaking your head. It's entirely possible that I'm not the only one who has been feeling like this, not only for the last couple of months, but maybe for the last year and a half. So, I sat with that, and I said, okay, if I'm not standing in love, then what am I standing in? What, do we know what the opposite of love is? Fear. Fear. So if I'm not standing in love, then I'm standing in fear, and what's the antidote to fear? Love. (laughs) So here I was, I had made a commitment to come and simply share, at a minimum, some stories about my journey of love, and at the best hope that it inspires a little bit of hope in someone here in this room or online with us who might also be sitting or standing in fear and needing some sort of shift into love. So here I am. I pulled the big girl skirt on. I put on my I have superpower bracelets and I showed up. But I forgot to mention that the whole time I had this little voice, this very positive, very loving, very encouraging voice telling me all the time this past week, well, what the heck do you have to share with anybody that has any value about love? (laughs) So that was not real helpful in this predicament. So I also know what best to do with that little voice is to give it a hug and say, thank you very much. Your wisdom has been heard and I've got it from here. But I did make a little peace treaty, if you will. And the peace treaty was that at the beginning of my talk, I would make a disclaimer. And that disclaimer is, I am not by any means an expert in this subject. (laughs) I am, however, an expert participant in the topic. And so let me preface that a little bit more. So I say here, my life has been filled with love, all kinds of love, I, you name it, beautiful parents, beautiful family love, amazing friends. I'm surrounded by horses and dogs and cats and nature. I have beautiful kids, a beautiful husband. So, so much love from day one. I'm very blessed, very blessed. So thank you very much for holding that blessing with me. So as I looked at that journey, there's a couple different phases that stand out to me from coming into this world as this beautiful baby to this moment where I'm here sitting and talking to you about a wedding dress, a bumper sticker, and a tattoo. 
So I would say in the name of love, I've done a lot of different things. I've moved states to a state. I've left states. I have changed jobs. I have changed my hair. I have made mixed tapes and scrapbooks once upon a time. I'll date myself a little bit. I've climbed to the top of mountains, and I have run long, long, long miles. And I don't even really like to lo run long miles. <laughs> so in essence, when I was feeling this fear, what I was recognizing is that I was following a pattern of running towards love and then running away from love. And so, in that pattern, all that I can know to do is to love, to love the fear and to move out of my own way. So again, we have this beginning where I come into the world filled with love and then I move into a childhood where I look back and I think my parents have been married since they were 20, 21. They met in college, they're intact, they're celebrating their 50 year wedding anniversary next year amazing. So I have this beautiful role model of what love is. And I have this idyllic picture of what it means to be in a loving home. I have a younger sister. We have a loving relationship. To this day, we have a loving relationship. And as I look back, something in that childhood, despite all the love and despite all the, the giving of love, I made up that love was a finite resource. And so when my sister got more attention, she got more love, and therefore I wasn't getting the same attention, and therefore I wasn't getting as much love. And so that was the first time where I separated from this truth of unconditional love and then put love as a thing outside of myself that was a resource that was given to me by others. And then we move from that phase into becoming a young woman and trying to figure out what love means to me outside of the home. And so let's pause here for just a moment to actually define love. So according to Wesp Wesper, Webster, <laughs> love is a noun, person, place, or thing. And that noun states that love is a strong affection for another rising out of kinship or personal ties. It's also a warm attachment, enthusiasm, and devotion. So we might say, in short, love as a noun is a feeling. But then Webster also, as I mentioned, said that love is a verb, which is a word to describe an action, an occurrence, or a state of being. So as I was preparing for this talk, I found a song by John Mayer, and the lyrics go like this. Love is a verb. It ain't a thing. It's not something you own. It's not something you scream. When you show me love, I don't need your words. Yeah, love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. Love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. Love ain't a crutch. It ain't an excuse. Now, you can't get through it on just piles of IOUs. Love ain't a drug, despite what you've heard. Yeah, love ain't a thing. Love is a verb. Show me, show me, show me. You gotta show me. Show me, show me, show me. Love is a verb. So then I went on to ask Dr. Google, how do we put these nouns and these verbs out in the, in the world and how is society and culture using the word or the term love? So we get these awesome sayings like, better to have loved and lost than to have never loved at all. Love makes the world go round. 
Love hurts. Love knows no limits. Where there is love, there is life. All you need is love. Wise men say, only fools rush in. But I can't help falling in love with you. I wasn't actually prepared to sing that. That <laughs> just kind of came out. <laughs> okay, a couple more here. Um, I'm going to throw in a Princess Bride reference. Love, true love, will follow you forever. <laughs> and of course, our unity mantra, love lives here. And then does anyone remember Jerry Maguire? Oh yeah. So as we move through my journey of love and I find myself in this age of young adulthood becoming a woman and I watched the movie Jerry Maguire. Do you remember what the, there were two main um, kind of cornerstone statements that he had but the main one was you complete me. And so that was the rock that I placed all of my bets on that that's what love meant and that's what I was seeking. <laughs> right? <laughs> Does anyone see a problem in that? <laughs> right, so here we have myself seeking something outside of myself that only somebody else can fulfill, of which there's only a little bit of it, so it's not going to go around for everybody, so if I don't actually get it from somebody, I may miss the boat in getting love altogether. So, <laughs> when I was married in 2009, I thought I hit the jackpot. I thought I found the person who completed me. So, from 2009, fast forward to 2012, you can imagine how crushed I was and how devastated my heart was when I found myself sitting in the basement of my home on a cold, rainy, wet day in a home that was about to no longer become my home because I had sold it, because I had just gone through a divorce. It gives me chills to actually think about it. And on that day, I had already moved about a month prior, so I had moved all of the essential things, and on this particular day, I was tasked with the what the heck do I do with these things now that I'm divorced. That box happened to be my wedding box. Wedding cards, guest book, wedding photos, and the wedding dress. So I sat on the floor in the basement crying. It was cold outside, it was cold in the basement, and it was cold in my heart. And this dress represented the failure of the idea that you complete me. It represented the failure of the idea to death do us part. And so, in essence, I took it to mean the failure of my ability to find love and to love. And so I had been processing this and working through all of this for several months. This is the last piece of to-dos or logistics surrounding the dissolution of a marriage. So I was a mess. And I knew I had to do something with these items, but I also knew I was not in the right frame of mind to make any sort of rational decisions about what to do with 
your wedding dress, and your pictures, and all these beautiful mementos, including your bouquet. So I put the items back into the box, and then I put the box into the back of the car, and I drove away from my east side Portland bungalow, which was idyllic in and of itself. It was a turn of the century home with a white picket fence. It was everything that I had dreamed of. And the farther I drove away from the home, the harder the tears came. And to the point where I was heaving, sobbing, snot, red face, tears, you name it. It was not pretty. <laughs> and in this moment, I would have absolutely said, love hurts, without a doubt. And so as I'm driving, I remember it clearly. The rain is pelting the window. It's raining as hard as I'm crying. And what do you know, this car pulls out of nowhere and cuts me off. I have to slam on the brakes. I might have said a few choice curse words. <laughs> but in the moment of hitting the brakes, I jeer forward towards the steering wheel. And as I do, I notice the bumper. And on the bumper of the blue Jetta was a bumper sticker. And the bumper sticker was white with three words written in black, bold font. So I had jeered forward because of me standing on the brakes, but then I leaned in as if the words were a magnet and pulled me toward them. And slowly, the tears started to stop. My breath started to calm. And that aching in my heart that I had felt since I was a young girl, seeking outside of myself, going to California with an aching in my heart, that aching started to lift because of three words. So of course, I followed the car like a crazy crying person would. <laughs> Luckily, the car didn't go very far. They went about 100 yards and then turned into the Whole Foods parking lot in front of me. So of course, I followed the car into the Whole Foods parking lot. The driver parked, I parked, the person got out. I don't even remember if it was a male or a female driving, to be honest with you, because I was so mesmerized. So I get out, the person starts to walk to the store, and I just said, may I take a picture of your bumper? And the person looked at me, and I'm sure they were a little bit taken back and just nodded their head and continued on their way to go into Whole Foods. And so I took a picture of the bumper sticker, which read, I choose love. And whatever it was about that moment and those words and that haze and in that dreary day, there was some divine wisdom that popped in. And that divine wisdom opened me up to a whole new understanding of what love was, what love is. So I, in the same instance, this movie reels going in the back of my head, and I see all the relationships that I had been in, all the failed attempts to find someone to complete me, and what I realized is that those failed attempts weren't because that person didn't complete me, but it was because I was not running away from them, but I was running away from myself. And what I was running away from was the fact that that person, however they showed up, either exposed me a lot or a little to this limiting belief that I had inherited somewhere along the line that I am not complete. So my next phase of love and campaigning for love was I choose self-love. 
And so from that, I kind of kick-started this notion that I needed to go complete myself. <laughs> and so I did this fun thing where I dated myself, and I wore this big black fake diamond ring on my wedding finger, and I went on dates by myself, and I had all this time just kind of seeking a, fa a false notion to an extent, but better than the you-complete-me notion. <clears throat> and in all that, I did find a man who I'm married to now, I have two kids with, and, <laughs> and was able to see that I am a complete person by you know, doing all these things that I had done. I had found my way of completing myself. I had done all these little tasks and these little to-dos. And so now we have two beautiful kids. And then this takes me into this kind of final phase of understanding what love is. And that happened the day that I had my son and I held my son for the first time. And when you stare at a baby, you can actually just get lost. Jane so adequately one time referenced this as the church of baby, because you do, you go, you worship the baby, and you sit and stare for hours and hours and hours. And there's some point where there's this blur that happens when you're staring at the face of a person, whether it's a baby or any other person, where things start to actually get a little bit um, like those squiggly lines when you're looking at the road and it's a hot day. And you start to see the truth of who the person is. And it's easy in a baby because they've just come out and they have no flaws. And when I held my son for the first time, I was able to see in that moment that I never needed to complete myself. I never needed anyone to complete me. I came into this world complete. You came into this world complete. We all came into this world complete. Because we are that divine spark of spirit. So we are that essence of good, whole, complete. And so, when we choose love, it's not about choosing something outside of us. It's more about remembering who we are. And then one of the best ways for us to actually share that love is to imagine that you are this cup, this beautiful chalice, and inside you is this spring, and this spring is bubbling up from your divine essence, and in that water is love. And when you feel that love, you acknowledge that love, you affirm that love, you affirm what's filling up from within inside of you, over time that starts to come up to the top and then it flows over out into the world. So imagine how different we can then go and face our fears, not thinking that we have to fix them, not thinking we have to fix somebody else, but if we can stand in love and pull that love from within us up and out. And then it just flows because there is an infinite source of love. So yes, love is a noun. Yes, love is a verb. 
No, love is not this little angel flying around with a bow and arrow on your behalf, aiming this bow and arrow aimlessly out into the world, letting it go and hoping that, boing, it hits someone on the head who happens to be also in the same place as you, who might be available for you, and then that was your one chance at love. And oh, what happens if that arrow misses? And I'm sure the little carrier of arrows can only, the quiver of arrows can only hold so many arrows. <laughs> but love is a choice. And by that I mean choose your divinity. Choose to embrace your wholeness. And choose to be a force of love for love in the world by knowing that you are love. So choose love, and like the last song said, it's not as hard, hard, as hard as it seems. Namaste. Oh yes, tattoo, thank you. I knew I was gonna do that. Tattoo was the dating phase underneath the shirt. I should have worn a different shirt, but it says choose love. Yes, so that's the reminder. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs>